This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? My guest is amazing spitfire by the name of Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a Forbes Top 10 keynote speaker, award-winning humanitarian, and two-time national best-selling author with 25 years of experience as an entrepreneur and executive in the legal, technology, sports, and entertainment fields. With expertise across many industry verticals, he is uniquely positioned as a world-renowned thought leader, business strategist, and leading humanitarian. Dave has created a platform that allows him to communicate with everyone from college students to C-suite executives by using his principles for business and life, which consist of gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. Utilizing these four principles every day allows Dave to live by his mission, which is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. Just wow. Thank you so much for joining us today on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Dave, how are you? I'm amazing. What a great introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. So I'm going to first start out by saying I know it's one of your daily rituals, uh, Dave, to wake up every morning asking the universe to provide you with 10 people in which to help. And I want to reassure you that by joining us here today on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, you have superseded your daily quota. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, I need at least 10 people every day that uh, I can help. And I'm sure this is going to supersede it. Well, you're you're reaching thousands, if not millions here in this interview. So I just want to once again, thank you for the gracious gift of your time, because I know how incredibly off the hook you are. So I I just want to start with a few things. Again, for everybody who kindly follows myself, they know that this is uh, organic, unscripted dialogue. I I believe it makes for a much more authentic conversation. Um, But I just want to start with by saying for myself and given your expertise in the arena that you work in and play in, Dave, Coming from a competitively athletic family, myself, my dad having been inducted three times into the Soccer Hall of Fame, myself having been a former competitive swimmer with the goal of going to the Olympics, the list goes on. 
we know that there's an inherent distinct thumbprint between the DNA of top level athletes versus non-athletes. So for you in your arena of expertise, what do you believe are some of those core differentials? You know, I think some real core differentials. The first is a spirit of excellence. And, and that spirit of excellence uh, carries a few things. One, consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, most grace athletes are consistent. They are consistent every day. Uh, and that leads to the second uh, characteristic, which is persistency. Uh, when you're consistent every day, it's much harder to quit. Uh, when it becomes not only a conscious behavior of what we think, say, and do, but a subconscious, ingrained, neuropathic uh, entity of our belief system that actually invades our unconscious competency of both the genetic side. We actually activate DNA that is our personality traits, our characteristics, our obsessions and addictions. And then also energetically, we actually shift our energy through consistent, persistent behavior. Uh, the next characteristic that I see is that it's the inspiration side, the pursuit that all great athletes and entrepreneurs, by the way, have this enormous ability to pursue, to, to live inspired life, to understand when their connection to that which inspires them is corroded, when they're not on the trajectory of the pursuit of their potential, their truth, their higher self, their best performance. And so that enjoyment of the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of their potential is that spirit of excellence that I see as the common denominator between every great athlete as well as great success in each of the different uh, professions or industries that I uh, work with. Bingo. Well, I wholeheartedly subscribe to your principles, your philosophies, and your outlook. So uh, thank you for sharing that and imparting that with the listening audience. Now, what I also love about you, too, is that you reference, there's a lot of parallels between you and I. And what I will say, Dave, is that I interview a lot of people uh, who are top-tier influencers such as yourself, people who you know, are millionaires, people who have written numerous books, people who are on the international speaking stage, people who are considered of celebrity status. Now, for the benefit of the listening audience and so that the message truly does resonate with them, I'm always more interested in delving deep into the backstory because you and I both know, not just from your own personal experience, which we're going to highlight here uh, in this interview, but for myself as well, it's not all about bingos and accolades and everything's a bullseye and everything's a resounding yes. We know that with what you discussed with the spirit of excellence and that embodying consistency and persistency, we know that that has had to be executed for all the times we have fallen flat on our face, for all the times we've either let ourselves down by not showing up or other people external to us who we thought were in our tribe uh, and just life. Unforeseen circumstances happen all the time and, and knock us on our ass. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the backstory. We know that you have, uh, you know, out of law school, uh, you know, within nine months, you were a millionaire, which a lot of people would find hard to believe, given the incurred debt one would have to uh, accumulate in order for that length of academia and how expensive that education is. And then you lost it. And then you reclaimed it and you built yourself back up from the ashes and, and rose out of the abyss. So let's talk a little bit about what was going on pre-Dave Meltzer today in terms of finding yourself and aligning with your higher vibrational energy? 
Wow, what a great question. It's really about my relationship to money. And in this pragmatic world, at this vibration, I think people mistake themselves and don't understand that the currency of this vibration, the object of energy in which we put into the flow is money. And our relationship to that energy is so important. And so because I grew up so poor uh, with six kids and a single mom, because I did not understand the ego consciousness of what I was doing. I lived in a world of not enough, that I was driven by money. I was driven by the fact that I believe money bought happiness. Uh, it at least rented it, but I, I believed that uh, the only time I wasn't happy in my life, even when I was poor, was only because of money. It was, you know, we didn't have enough money to eat or to fix the car or to go to summer camp or the stress and fear that it created that I had to get a scholarship to college or the loans that I had to take for law school that were insurmountable, all the different things that were related to that my ego consciousness was based upon the fact that money could buy happiness uh, or at least rent it. And so I was driven by scarcity. I was driven mm -hmm by overselling, manipulating, sometimes back-end selling and even lying to people in order to effectuate uh, economic achievement. Uh, and even on my philanthropic efforts, which I've always been uh, or thought of myself as extremely giving person and philanthropic and a humanitarian, but I was not giving unconditionally. I would give a tremendous amount of myself, time, money, et cetera, through the successes at a young age, but for a trade. Right. I was always trading for the accolades or the recognition or the ability to have me think that I was my mom's favorite because I bought her a house and a car. Whatever it was that I did, I always had a trade in mind, this Latin of quid pro quo that I was going to get something back. And I went through the lessons of understanding the shift in the paradigm of value, that that value was something for me to look at in a matter of productivity. How much value can I provide? And then accessibility would be the ability to make me accessible to others, to allow things to come through me in a world of more than enough, in an abundant universe where there's more than enough of everything for everyone and allow the accessibility of not only me being accessible to others with everything that I was able to attract, but more importantly too, for me to access what I wanted so I could continually expand and grow and allow it to come through me for others in even a more impactful way. And so this whole shift, this whole transition in my life, this quantum shift occurred with the lessons that I learned through gratitude and a new perspective, through forgiveness, that life is just a whole series of lessons and I'm gonna continue, get the same lessons until I learn them. Accountability, giving me complete control of my life where I attract everything into my life and I'm only supposed to learn the lessons from it. And then most importantly, how to live an inspired life to not only connect to people, but also connect and consistently, persistently connect to that which inspires me and allow things to come through me. And I learned those lessons through losing everything in mm -hmm. uh, precursor to losing everything. The funny thing was I really started learning this journey, this trans, you know, transformation occurred, this big shift in my life occurred two years before I actually lost everything. And I went back and really studied how I had to take st stock in who I was because the more enlightened person in my life, my, my wife, 
mm-hmm. uh, basically gave me an ultimatum about how unhappy she was. And when she told me that two years previous to me losing everything, I was so lost that I had no idea what she was talking about, no idea that she was unhappy, no idea how she could have been unhappy with a huge home and cars and boats and motorhomes and planes and everything that we had, golf course and a ski mountain. I was so lost. But that journey, that catalytic occurrence of my wife pushing me to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become made it much easier to lose everything because I had already started a two-year journey to shift that paradigm of value. Beautiful. Well, let me ask you this, Dave, then. So what would be the timeline from you and your wife having gotten married to her giving you that ultimatum that you needed to take stock? Well, even more importantly, I met my wife in the fourth grade and I was in love with her. I asked her to go study in the sixth grade. She said no. Uh, and so I threw an egg at her. So my journey That's was right. <laughs> farther Right, along. right. I got, I got married when I was uh, 30 years old. And at 30 years old, uh, there was an eight, eight, eight years till I went bankrupt. So it was about six years into uh, that journey of, uh-huh. the, of the shift. So um, six years of marriage and my wife trying to teach me about enlightenment and what's important. Uh, and luckily, she saw potential in me and mm-hmm. stuck with me and, you know, have built We have four children now. We had three at the time. Uh, but one of my favorite stories of, to show and illustrate how enlightened my wife was, um, when I lost everything, I was CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wor- worked as CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. Uh, Lee's m- known for the movie Jerry Maguire. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> two years you know, into this new transformational journey, I, I was CEO, but literally because I had over $100 million of assets, Uh, I could not stop the bleeding and I lost everything. I lost Mm -hmm. 33 different properties, a ski mountain, a golf course, everything, my cars. I I was living through this transition. I was living in a rented house with rented furniture. I had three daughters under the age of 10 and my wife was pregnant with our son. And I came home with my first paycheck after moving and losing everything. And I told my wife, that I was going to write a portion of my paycheck over to our high school where my wife and I went to high school Mm -hmm. for a scholarship for a kid to go to college uh, because I never would have went or my siblings never went to college without scholarship money. And I I wanted to pay it forward in that direction. Without blinking, she said, oh my gosh, I think you finally get it. And I said, I said, yeah, I do. I said, I really trust the universe. She looked at me and told me to double it. <laughs> I, I looked at her and I said, I don't trust the universe that much. And she and she said, You'll learn. And I think that's really important to show the emotional intelligence that my wife has and mm-hmm. the incredible enlightenment that she has. Is that one of the things that I tell her now, uh, eleven years later, uh, as we have more than we've ever dreamed of in the right way, is I say, when I write these checks every month, when I give them myself. Uh, an extraordinary amount of time, resources, when I'm fighting for productivity and accessibility of everything I do, I remember that first check that I wrote and how hard it was. And mm-hmm. you you asking me to double it. And it's never gotten easier. <laughs> like, I just, I she's so enlightened. Like, I want people to know that I still have fear, right? There's an ego consciousness that exists in my life that I have to fight 
to know mm-hmm. what's right. And I continually, it just gets more and more I can give because it's coming through me. And it's, but I still have fear. You know, I still have four children, only two of them in college and three of them are girls. So that means weddings and graduate schools and yes. grandchildren. And, you know, <laughs> it never stops. So this fear that everyone thinks motivates them. I have studied for the past decade in understanding how do I get back to center? How do I know that fear is not a motivator? It's not an inspired people that tell me, Oh, I need fear to get there. I'm like, you don't need fear. Fear just focuses you find a substitute for focus. Then you can have inspired focus, not depreciative, not a depreciative focus. Absolutely. Well, in my research of you, Dave, I did realize that you had known your wife for that length of time. The reason why I asked specifically about the timeline of marriage and her posing uh, that ultimatum to you is because for her to have known you for that period of time, I'm questioning was her recognizing a different version of Dave showing up was it because she was cognizant of the contrast to know that you had either disappeared or you were taking a, a hiatus or you were losing yourself altogether? What what within the timeline of things digressing for you and your world and her being your partner and obviously being privy to all of that, did it become clear that you had to take stock in things? So I think as my ego started to get more, I, I had more humility when we got married. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was always driven by money and I believe that it bought happiness, but, um, I, I think my ego had gotten far out of control that I had lost sight of the value of my family. Uh, I had, you know, taken and crossed the line when it came to honesty. Um, mm-hmm. so I progressively became more manipulative. I started surrounding myself, uh, with the wrong people and the wrong ideas, which was a major part for her and my best friend, who both pointed that out to me that, you know, I had always surrounded myself with extraordinary people. And that all of a sudden, I was surrounding myself with people that were doing the wrong things and saying the wrong things. I remember my best friend playing golf with me during this transitive, you know, period, right around when my wife told me to take stock in who I was, I asked him why he wasn't hanging out with me. He also had known me since the fourth grade. He lived between me and my wife. Uh, growing up in elementary school, this is my oldest and best friend. And he said to me, I don't like the people that you hang around. So I don't want to hang around you. And I said to him, yeah, but I'm not doing the things that they do. And he told me, look, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. And Mm. that was one of those catalytic things. There was like three things that happened in my life that really raised my awareness that I was lost. And I think that allowed me, people say, how did you make that shift? My wife will tell you I was depressed for one day. Right. Wow. And that, that was the one day that I sat in bed looking at the ceiling with everything I ever dreamed of, everything I ever dreamed of and saying to myself, I'm not happy. I don't even know what I want and I better find it. And that was the only day that I was depressed and I thought I was going to lose everything, but I didn't know what I wanted and I was completely lost. And my wife telling me to take stock in who I was you know, I outlined what became my first book, Connected to Goodness. I outlined principles and key elements in my life of how to manifest what I wanted in life, how I did manifest what I wanted coming from nothing. And I put a very think and grow rich, pragmatic case together. In fact, <laughs> you know, that's how I pulled myself into 
what I believe is just an accelerated, exponentially growing existence that's full, filled and purposeful in, in my direction where I'm empowering other people to empower other people to be happy. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, what I love about you, Dave, is, you know, we oftentimes talk about uh, vulnerability is a strength. A lot of people still in today's age, despite, you know, it being 2019 and all the personal growth, personal development uh, information that's out there, uh, you know, there's still that mindset where people think I got to keep my cards close to my chest uh, because, you know, I don't want to rock the apple cart with this persona that I've obviously put on where people think that, you know, I'm invincible. There's nothing that can really go askew or awry for me in my life. And I think why people resonate with you uh, in the massive volumes of numbers of people in which they do is because they see a little bit of, of themselves in you. They see, I mean, you've cited and you've referenced this and I've watched all your videos. You know, we talk about failure and there are some people in this industry who frown upon the word failure and would prefer to just utilize the words uh, lesson to underscore, okay, yeah, I messed up or I screwed up or, you know, I had to have that cathartic moment before I could really have that epiphany uh, to consciously choose to turn myself and my life around. Um, so what do you say when it comes, because we know verbiage is so important in terms of how we self-dialogue and how we choose to self-dialogue becomes a habit. It's a habit that's either intuitive or it's counterintuitive. And that's really what sets the tone for the trajectory of where it is we say we want to go when it comes to accomplishing goals or to leading a fulfilled life or a life of service. Um, so what do you have to say? Because I, you know, you talk about failure a lot and you you use it in the application of your own life story, your backstory. Do you really subscribe to failure or is it life lessons learned? Yeah, I think uh, you have to understand the aggregate of faith is what you think, say, do, believe in the unconscious competencies that we have, right? Genetic and energetic. And that those words like failure probably aren't the best aligned with what I believe because I mm. do believe failure is a, a setup, right? So I, I see a setback or a failure as a setup uh, because I know one thing that I live at this pragmatic uh, level uh, that you know most people a lot of times as they become enlightened or make transcendental shifts in their life they forget that they live in this pragmatic world and this world only has one purpose and that's to provide us lessons and like i said previously the lessons will keep coming until they're learned but they're guaranteed to keep coming for our entire life and the cool thing is is i know two things about the lessons that we've learned and the progress that we make the acceleration and growth that occurs from those lessons number one at times, I will forget all lessons that I've learned, right? Mm -hmm. It's a guarantee of the human ego uh, that we forget all lessons learned at time. But I have the power to remember those lessons at any time. And so that duality, that understanding of where we can illuminate our transgressions, we can illuminate the lessons that we've learned, we can illuminate with vulnerability the actual situations that we haven't lived up to the expectations of ourselves and we haven't lived to our potential. But we can illuminate that and elevate others to elevate themselves through the vulnerability of being truthful. I believe that it, you become invulnerable when you become vulnerable with the truth. And those oh, I truthful, love that. you know, I, I truly believe that you become the invulnerable being by being completely vulnerable and honest. And that everyone, I remember 
uh, Gary V, who we do co-mentorship together. I mentor him in the sports agency side. He mentors me in digital marketing. But he told me as I started to illuminate certain things, I told him, man, if somebody would have told me that I'd be bragging about going bankrupt, that was my <laughs> biggest fear. Like, that was my biggest fear. Right. It truly was my biggest fear. It, like, I, I don't know if you know the story, but I had to go not only tell Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, who's now my business partner, that I, you know, the reason they hired me is because my brand, my image of being a money-making Midas. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I had to go tell them in humility that I'd lost everything. And I thought for sure they'd fire me because how could they have me telling these athletes who 75% of them go bankrupt that I would help them because I went bankrupt? Right. Right. And worse, right. And then worse, I realized not only did I have to go tell my two mentors and heroes, Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon, but I got to go tell my mom. Your mother. Yes. And, We're going to get to that. Of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. If you'd like me to do it right now, I can tell you that the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life, the most humbling thing I've ever done in my life was to go tell my mother that I lost everything and in the course realized that not only had I lost everything, but the only reason I wanted to be rich when I was young was to buy my mom a house and a car. I wanted mm -hmm. it so bad I could taste it. And mm -hmm. I knew, like I knew it would happen and I had to go tell my mom that I lost everything and also forgot to take her house out of my name. So I lost her house and she had to move as well. That was humbling. Beautiful. And, and so when I told Gary Vee that I can't believe that I'm bragging about or teaching <laughs> people through going bankrupt, he said to me, oh, just wait. Just wait and see the truths that you're going to tell people that are going to make you feel whole. And to this day, it's probably the wisest thing that Gary has taught me is that as truthful as you think you are, as close to the potential that you feel you are, there's so much more to go and there's so many more layers. And the more that you open up, the honesty to others, the more you start becoming honest with yourself and learning and remembering and re-engaging with certain circumstances that have occurred and remembering the lessons. Because remember, you will guarantee at times forget every lesson that you've ever learned, but you mm -hmm. have the power to remember it. Absolutely. So what, you know, you've obviously done a lot of work on yourself and we know that this is an inside job. Uh, you know, it's not about what's external to us. It's not about all the books out there. And yes, they play a role and they, you know, they carve uh, the path for us in terms of sponging up the right things, aligning with the right people, the right resources. And I get that. Uh, I'm very much of that elf myself. But being a human being, Dave, what are some of your triggers where once upon a time, Dave would have been compelled to kind of fabricate something, embellish something, bullshit something where you have, <laughs> right. Where you have to go, no, got to be integral with myself, kind of biting the lip a little bit. And this is going to suck, but here you go. Here's the truth. I mean, what kinds of things still as a human being trip you up where you have to have that quick little calibrated discussion with yourself? You know, a lot of times it's the need to be offended. Uh, mm. You know, and, and I still have an energy uh, that I'm not enough, that I'm not worthy of what I have. And so that I at times have a tendency to exaggerate, uh, you know, in and oversell. I, I don't lie or manipulate uh, as often at all. I, I catch myself pretty quickly. Uh, but like I innate in my energy is this ability to oversell and, you know, to exaggerate. So if, you know, something 
you know, is, you know, 25,000 downloads, you know, I, I, I'm like, I, I manipulated into to more, you know what I mean? It's like saying you know, <laughs> up, up to 80 million, 80 million people. Right? You know, like I caught myself the other day, you know, I was like, you know, it's 3000 airports that I'm in with reach TV or whatever. And it's like, no, it's 52 airports and 3000 TVs. <laughs> and, and, and so I have to correct it. Uh, and I do correct it more often than not. Um, but, uh, it's funny because, you know, our weaknesses are our strengths put into different places. And I've surrounded myself uh, with people. The head of my media is the most, um, I mean, he's like Inspector Crusoe. He does, mm. my wife's my wife's the same way. Uh, I know you use this word, so I'm going to say, they call bullshit on me as much as possible. <laughs> and I've asked them, and I've asked them to, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, my big crusade right now is to, to make people happy. I think happiness is, you know, I, I read this report the other day that in America, the average person said they're happy 15 days a year. The number one cause of death of people under 50 years old is suicide. We have a happiness problem. Opiate addiction and mental mm. disease is a happiness problem. And we need to address this problem. And I'm on a mission to impact a billion people, one billion with a B, by empowering a thousand people like yourself, Lisa, that can empower a thousand more to employ that power a thousand more to be happy um and through the journey it was awesome because you know justin the head of my media department is like researching like here here dave look at this here's this where'd you find this number you know <laughs> and we found that <laughs> you know, like, like make sure that i'm not exaggerating what my life mission is because you know the internet doesn't lie and it, right. it lies it lies there for the longest time so you know I, I know some of the big names you know out there that you know sell BS, right? They stand in front of cars they don't own. They stand in front of houses they don't own. They're, they're, broker, they're broker than most people. You know, they're, they're, selling, they're selling their book by calling it shipping. You know, I'll give you a free book if you pay for shipping. You know, right. like I, I'm beyond that side of it. But you, look, that sits out there for a long time. So if you're going to say you played in the NFL, you know, it's not hard to find out that you didn't ever play in the NFL, right? right. You know, right. It, it, these things come out. You know, and so I decided through the guidance of my wife and Justin and several others, you know, I love to tell people ask me, what's the closest you've come to your potential? Well, I was an average division three football player, mm. right? All right. Average, right. And that's, that's the closest I came to my potential because I don't have great potential playing football, but to get that far to play college football, even if it was division three is extraordinary for me. I don't have to tell you I played in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't it great when you've got people like your mom and you've got people like your business partners and you've got your wife, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're kind of deviating a little bit. Dave's de deviating a little bit, you know, BS yeah. meters going off. And now <laughs> it's time to do a BS intervention. It's BS intervention time. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I'm such a different person too. I, and I'm so proud of myself. Yes. So you should be. I like for the other day, my wife. We had a birthday party, a, a graduation party for my 18 year old, and some of my ex employees who you know you always have a need to be offended, like I said, right? And one of them in particular didn't show, and you know he's supposed to be family. And my wife is like, "Do you think he's mad at you? Do you think you know?" And, and she has her own stuff, right? And I literally looked at her and in peace, and I never would have done this. I just said, "I don't think that way." And wow. So many, yeah. And I just don't. And so many times now, because of the help of others, I just, 
I don't think that I have a need to impress you or to be separate from you. I'm consistently trying to pursue how can I connect and help with you and to separate myself as superior by exaggeration is not the method that I want to use, although it's innate in my energy and genetics, just the same way gambling or drinking or drug use is, is for other people. Right. Beautiful. Well, congratulations on that. That's huge growth. Working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the thing is, you're consciously making that choice to do so, right? This is where a lot of people are still asleep. Uh, and I actually want that, you know, this just came to me. I want to ask you this. So for all the work that you do, your level of expertise, uh, you know, the countless people that you interface with, and we're talking top tier, but yeah, you go right down from college students to C-suite execs and then everybody else in between and above. Now, do you believe in your experience outside of being the eternal optimist and wanting to perhaps see the world this way, Dave, do you believe we as humans, as a universe, as a global community, do you think we're becoming more awakened or do you think it's a 50-50 split or do you think the majority of people are still asleep at the switch? That's an awesome question. I think that we are becoming more awakened, which also creates a divide. Right. right. So I, think, I think there's a higher vibration. And I think one of the dangers of vibrating faster, uh, and I do this during my executive coaching because I do encourage people to expand and accelerate, is that it creates a divide, not just between you and others that haven't experienced that shift in the paradigm, that quantum shift in their life. But moreover, it creates a divide in your own life. And I really want to reinforce, like if you go all the way back to Sanskrit, right, to the ultimate mm. vib vibrating language that existed. The first rule of Sanskrit is you are an embodiment, right? Yes. You are here at this vibration. And we can't forget that we live in the pragmatic world where the currency of this world is money, that you can go online and put that currency online and within either the same day, a day, two days, or seven days, depending on your connection to Amazon, that's how quickly what you want to manifest will come to you with that currency. We live in that currency. We live in that vibration. That doesn't mean that you can't explore and expand and accelerate at the higher vibration, but we must be able to transcode and connect to all of those people at this vibration or else it's going to create a divide which will create more fear, which will actually create resistance, shortages, voids, and obstacles for us to achieve the happiness goals, for example, that I want to empower people with. Love it. Well, let me ask you this then, based on you having just said that, Dave, based on your own accelerated growth, based on you choosing to show up as a, a you know, a conscious person every, every single day, what do you think matters to you today based on your commitment to growth won't matter to you a year from now? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, w I was going to tell you where you're going with the question, my health, but that's going to matter uh, a year, even more. Like, that's the one thing that matters more to me than ever. Um, mm -hmm. What matters to me today that won't matter to me in a year, as I perceive? Um, I, I hope, I, I hope it'll, it'll be still any monetary need that I have for, for me. So anything that's still left that I, I every once in a while catch myself buying something for me to feed my ego, my fear of not having enough. Mm. Uh, and and I, I would hope that any of those purchases that I make this year, uh, one year won't matter matter to me. 
you know, and and be able to live in monetarily for me in complete humility that I truly have everything I need. This is a goal of mine, but mm-hmm. I know I can think of, you know, different things that that I bought that, you know, I can tell people I drive a Chevy Volt, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But there's every once in a while I have that same poor kid need of, you know what, I need to sit in the front row of the the playoff game and spend that money instead of sitting back farther and I could save money and give more money to other people to change their lives. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so let me ask you this then. You've been on both sides of the financial spectrum. People are going to think this is going to be an opposite question, but I'm not. I, I go for the, the contrast. What was easier for you being broke than is perceivably easier for you being wealthy? Asking for help. I, uh, asking for help when I was broke was really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it carried over to how important it is when you have everything to ask for help. Right. I, I had to be humble and ask people, hey, you know, how can I be of service? But do you know anyone that can help me? And I learned th- th- this most powerful uh, questioning that has changed my life, that the most powerful people ask for help. And because of necessity, I had to ask for help. I went back to mentorship, uh, the humility of finding people that sit in the situation that I want to be in. When I lost everything monetarily, I had a very, very clear directive that I was going to go seek the richest people that I knew and ask them what they needed, but also ask them for help. Um, and the power of those relationships that I had accelerated, uh, you know, it didn't take me very long at all. It took me nine months to become a millionaire. I think it took me two weeks after bankruptcy to make my first million dollars again because I was very focused. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> You poor dear. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't say that. The bankruptcy wasn't no, the I'm hard just part. Messing with you. I'm not. <laughs> it was the two years. It was the two years before the bankruptcy that were really bad. <laughs> yeah, nine months. You suck. You were slacking. <laughs> I have an so, unconscious competency to attract wealth, and I no, and so else. you should. So absolutely, absolutely, we all should. I'm just. Uh, I'm just. You know. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now let's play devil's advocate for a moment. Then people who are tuning into the show might say, okay, you know, we're listening to Dave Meltzer. This guy can produce, it doesn't matter what he loses or how quickly he loses it. He's always going to rebound and he's always going to flourish and come back more abundant than what he ever initially started with. What could somebody who's as highly connected as Dave, somebody who's as resourceful as Dave, for somebody who's as self-actualized as Dave, who is evolved as a human being uh, as Dave and operating his highest vibrational level, what could this guy possibly need to ask anyone else for help for? Oh my gosh, everything. I find I am completely focused on finding people that sit in the situation that I wanna be in. It doesn't matter what level we're at. I used to tell myself, I could not fathom helping a billion people, right? Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't fathom it. I thought people are gonna think I'm crazy if I tell them I wanna impact a billion people on earth to be happy. Like, Mm -hmm. who are you, Mother Teresa, right? (laughs) Like honestly, but I asked for help. 
right? And there's so many things. I ask for help for directions. I ha I ask anything that I need help with. I am so free in understanding that I am making an investment in other people by asking for help, that I am actually creating a flow between us. I am connecting emotionally to people by asking for help. So I ask for help for every single thing that somebody else does better than I do. And I will tell you, I don't blame anyone that's listening to this saying, I can't identify with Dave Meltzer because he is someone that has an unconscious competency to make money. But I will tell you this, from the time that I was born until the time I was 25 years old, right? I was consistent, persistent in the pursuit of my potential. I had mm -hmm. an unwavering work ethic. I lowered the bar. I helped other people. I had a lot of lessons to learn and I still do. But if you want to take something and can identify with, with where I came from, it didn't, nobody gave me anything and nobody's going to give it to you. I created my unconscious competency yes. because when I was five years old, I focused in on being rich. May have been for the wrong reasons, but I focused in on money and that's why I have an unconscious competency. It activated certain DNA, it activated personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. It activated my energy. So I started to attract, just like I believe, if you can activate your DNA, if you can shift your energy, we could take all the money in the world, dump it into the desert, it would redistribute itself to the same people. Bingo. I'm trying to teach you to be those people. That's what I'm trying to teach people. Be one of those people. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing that we oftentimes talk about, or I, I cite in my live stream videos following one of these interviews that I do with people who are clearly wealthy, um, is, you know, I think who you were before money only magnifies who you are with money. So if you were an asshole before you came into cash, you're going to be a bigger asshole. If you were a great person and you were, you know, generous and you were kind and you were giving and you were nurturing and all of those wonderful qualities, that just accentuates and magnifies your, not only that being true of who you are to the core of who you are, but it magnifies the potential for how much more you can give, how much more you can contribute, how much more you can pay it forward and be of service to the collective. Um, and I, I, I think it's important to say that with you, particularly uh, in this interview, Dave, because, you know, you would be in the realm of people who are making the same kind of money as you. And you would know without publicly going on record as saying so. But intuitively, you would know within yourself, yeah, you're still a dick or you know right. what? Yeah, you're a really lovely person and you would never know for who you are and how humble and, and, and inherently grateful you are that you have what you have. Yeah, and I think it's still true that money will it really, uh, it, it exacerbates the certain, like, you know, it's not just being a jerk or nice. It's the certain insecurities that you have are, you know, truly illuminated by money. And so, Absolutely. All, and that's where I learned my lessons, right? So I, I would say that, you know, people aren't as good as you say think they are and they're not as bad. And that through this expansion of being able to have the power, the currency of the energy of getting what you want, it then can allow you, it shows off your good stuff, right? But it also, like for me, giving, I was extremely giving, but for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. I, I, I wanted recognition. I wanted accolades. I, I, I was insecure. I didn't think I was worthy of everything that I had. I found that there was an energy about me because 
I felt guilty all the time that my mom worked two jobs for $17,000 a year, raised six kids, five of them who got full scholarships to the Ivy League, summa cum laude at Harvard, Penn, and Columbia, graduate mm-hmm. schools, all these things. And I felt so guilty that I made $10 million in one year and she made not nearly that in her entire life. So when I had money, it brought out these energies, not just what I think, say, do, and believe. It actually brought out the energy that I was carrying that I wasn't worthy of what I had, that I was a fraud, right? Mm. Which caused me to project all these other things and caused me to act like an asshole. (laughs) You know what's funny, though, Dave, is the people who should be struggling with imposter syndrome never do, and the people who legitimately shouldn't are the ones who conscientiously do. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, that's the universe, right? With it uh, is. the voice that it fills. And that's why we learn the lessons. And I'm just so grateful. You know, I, I can't tell you how important gratitude is to me to understand appreciation and the duality of one, just being thankful for everything that happens in my life. And two, being able to have the courage to add value to it, to appreciate it, right? That means to add value, to appreciate and allow it to come through me so that I can share it with others, whether it be something pragmatic or material or just ethereal and a concept or an inspiration. But I see everything with appreciation in my life. Well, you're preaching to the preacher there because gratitude underscores everything for me. And it's the first thing that I say and feel, uh, and express upon wake up and it's the last thing before I go to bed. And, you know, in terms of my branding and hashtagging and all of that, grateful, hashtag grateful always becomes, comes first, sorry, before hashtag living fearlessly or podcast or radio or whatever. Um, Because really it's, you know, there's always something to be grateful for. Even the things that people would, you know, go, well, you were completely downtrodden on your luck. You know, life couldn't have seemingly been worse for you. And yet you're still beaming about gratitude. How is that even possible? And I think people who understand and truly embody uh, what it is to be appreciative and what it is to be eternally grateful, uh, that question would never escape their lips. You, You either get it or you don't. Exactly. And I think we have to also be forgiving to those people that just can't be aware. True. Right. And there's so many times I tell people all the time, you don't know what you don't know, but you also can't be aware of something that's vibrating faster than you are. And so that's where the three components of communication, one, the strength of your signal, but two, the spectrum in which you speak, how many channels are you in variance to your vibration? And then finally, the clarity in which you speak. Just because you say something doesn't mean that it's clear to others. And inherent in that is the variety of different vibrations that people are at and that we have to be forgiving for those people that just aren't aware of what we're talking about. Beautiful. Well, let me just, again, I'm cognizant of time here, but let me just, because vibration is one of my favorite subjects, you know, talking about frequency, anything to do with quantum physics, anything to do with all of that yummy stuff. Um, I just had it there. Um, I was falling in love with you going, oh my gosh, I, there's a second woman out there for me. You just <laughs> literally, you proposed to me right there. That was, oh my gosh. Oh. I'm like, oh my God, I found my soulmate. I'm going to sit for a weekend for 12 hours a day and talk to you because 
that's exactly how I live my life. And that was beautiful. Okay, well, I, I found it. I found it. So thank you for that. And you can serenade me 24-7 anytime. Just, you know, just get another plate at the dinner table and I'll make sure I bring flowers for your wife. Awesome. <laughs> She'll dive in as well. So Absolutely. Awesome. So let me ask you this. For you to be integral with yourself and for you to remain steadfast on the path of, of least resistance. And by that, I mean, you know, truly leaving yourself open and receptive to all the good things vibrationally that are out there for the taking in the universe. In order for you to continue to pulsate vibrationally at that level, have you had to come to terms with some type of non-negotiable disclaimer within yourself that says, I cannot go down to other people's vibrational level because I know we do become a product of our environment. And even though I've done the work and even though I can see the contrast, it's counterintuitive for me to even entertain going there. Absolutely. So the biggest thing for me is to distinguish things by a simple test. Does it bleed me or does it feed me? Oh. And, I and I have to be very cognizant, whether it's people or ideas or circumstances, uh, I'm not going to put myself into a position to be bled, uh, that I'm going to feed those that feed me. I'm going to, and this could be in a variety of different levels, but there are certain things that I cannot change. Uh, and it's not my job to change other people. I can inspire them, but when people, I used to waste so much time, energy, and emotion trying to convince people, uh, which 99% of them would never be convinced of. And I think we see that a lot of times today in mm. the political atmosphere in, in America, that if these people would just try to find the commonality between each other instead of the resistance of trying to change uh, people, that we would find we could progress, accelerate, and grow much quicker. Uh, but I have learned that I, there's 4 billion people that I can reach, uh, and I'm not going to waste my time uh, with those that bleed me. Uh, I can't engage in it. I will pray for their happiness. I'll try to understand their position, but mm -hmm. I will not surround myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. Uh, there's no waiver to that. I just will walk away and I'll let them know, even if it's a friend, that, look, this isn't about you. This is about me. I can't be around you anymore. Uh, and I pray for your happiness. And Love and that. Walk. Yeah, here's your hat. What's your hurry? <laughs> yeah. And, and give them well wishes, right? Because if they Absolutely. were truly happy, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you know what? You would definitely appreciate my books. My second one in particular, I started out with children's books. I've moved on to adult material. But because I know we speak the same universal language, my second book is titled Reimburse the Universe. And I know that you Ooh. get that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll trade you books. I have a new one coming out, Game Time Decision Making, on July 16th. So oh, I'll trade, congratulations. You, trade you one of those. And I like kids' books. So I learn more. Uh, they're faster to read, but the lessons are more clear in the kids' books. So feel free to send me those. <laughs> I absolutely will. Well, and the thing is, too, the message is timeless, right? I think when we're children, we are our most wondrous, our most curious, our most risk-taking. Uh, you know, we haven't allowed ourselves to become immobilized by fear or the indoctrinated type script where it's like, oh, don't do that. Like everyone's scared, to, you know, the helicopter moms or the whatever, you know. So I really love uh, children's books because the message really is speaking and oftentimes more so to the adults than it is to the children. Um, 
although it's one and the same, you know, good feedback either way, but it, it's really what you're receptive to and your level of resonance, you know, what, what permeates and, and what lands versus what does not. So uh, you can put all the good stuff out there. You can't force people to consume it. It's up to them. Absolutely. Well, listen, my friend, you know, we're going to have to have you come back because I could talk at nauseum and I could talk for hours on end with you about a whole myriad and plethora of subject matters. Um, but I just want to say I really appreciate the gift of your time. I really love energetically how you're choosing to consciously live your life. You are no doubt uh, impacting people. I don't even know how you would, from a metrics stats point of view, even be able to know making a difference or reaching a billion people no doubt that you've already surpassed that or you're well on your way I don't know how you measure that fantastic that's a great goal um but I can tell you for the listeners here on living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald for myself as the host because I'm forever taking notes and playing things back and and retaining all the things that might have gotten a little bit lost in translation for me as the one guiding the interview uh I I, I know outside of what I already know I've learned from you, Dave, I know I'm going to continue to do so because I follow you closely. I appreciate your work. I appreciate you uh, at the humanitarian level. And I just want to say, keep shining, my friend. You're doing awesome, awesome work. Thank you, advice person. I look forward to the next time we get to speak. So like I said, I'm a little bit aggravated. I think my dad may have cheated on my mom. You seem like my soul sister. So (laughs) you're lovely. You're lovely. Uh, To my listening audience, I just want to say thank you once again for the gracious gift of your time. Always very much appreciated by both myself and my guest of each week here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I'm exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose, as you know, is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next week, when we're rejoined by yet another phenomenal guest, I want to wish you a fantastic, safe, and wonderful fearless weekend. Love and gratitude, and to you as well, Dave. All my best. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.